Let the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Around 2010, there, there began, um, there was a popular television series on CBS titled Undercover Boss. Each episode featured a high-functioning executive or the owner of a company going undercover as an entry-level employee in their own company. There were episodes on White Castle and Subway and Johnny Rockets and 1-800-Flowers or Frontier Airlines, even the Chicago Cubs had an episode. The boss would spend a week learning about the company doing a number of different jobs, often with some form of disguise. At the end of the episode, the boss would reveal his or her identity. Sometimes it would cause change in the business. Um, often an employee that had worked hard without knowing that their boss was observing would be rewarded. Um, other employees might receive better training or the working conditions would change. But one of the factors that made the show fun was the surprise factor. Because people undoubtedly behave differently depending on who is around. A teacher walks into a, a group of children playing and it's likely that they begin following the rules a little better or being nicer to each other. First responders show up and a community can breathe a sigh of relief because professionals with skills and knowledges are there to, um, to respond to a crisis. A manager spends more time with their employees and, the, and everyone works better and takes better ownership um, with shared values. A priest shows up at a party and people are a little less rowdy. <laughs> Maybe not in the Episcopal Church. Our, our experiences and our attitudes are shaped by the company that we keep. A supportive parent shows up at an athletic event and the child plays even harder and has more fun because they know that they're loved and supported. Would seeing or knowing that Jesus is in our midst change our behavior? Has it already? Or are there brief moments when we, we learn, and I think that's the, maybe the practice of what it means to be a community of faith, is to learn to see Jesus in our midst. And does that change how we understand what we are experiencing? I mean, that is our theological lens as believers of the incarnation, that when we gather together as the body of Christ, Christ is revealed. Christ shows up. But it's in learning to see Christ that we are truly transformed. This company changes behavior. We're in the 16th chapter of Matthew today. It's, uh, it means that, that much of the story of Jesus has already unfolded. There's still plenty to be revealed. But at this point, Jesus has fed the multitudes twice. People have been healed. He's walked on water. He's been rejected in his hometown, all while preaching and teaching and healing has been uncovered in his midst. 
He's even cast a vision for what it means to be followers of him. So the disciples know a lot about who he truly is. And then he asks this, this rather profound question, who do you say that I am? It's profound because it clarifies to the disciples who they believe he is. And if you know who someone is, it might change your behavior. If the disciples can truly recognize Christ, it will transform their lives. It transforms Peter and how he understands his vision for creating and sharing community. And actually, in today's reading, it, it changes his name. It changes his identity, which is what we'll do at 1115 when there is a baptism. One of our, our groups at church is reading right now Dietrich Bonhoeffer's letters in papers from prison. Bonhoeffer was a, a German Lutheran pastor and theologian in the early 20th century. When Hitler is elected as Chancellor of Germany in 1933, Bonhoeffer was exceptionally critical of the Nazi party and Hitler and was concerned of the idolatry and politicization of the church. The German church becomes entrenched in the Nazi regime, and there is this, this group of pastors that are, the, the, it becomes what's called the confessing church, and they're, and they're trying to, to make sense of, of their Christian identity in the midst of that, and they're pushing against it. He actually, um, Bonhoeffer creates these underground seminaries that are helping to form and shape clergy um, to follow a more authentic faith that's grounded in the life and death and resurrection of Christ, the one who suffers with humanity. And so as they're watching these people suffer, it becomes their, their, their image for community. And this leads to his arrest and imprisonment. This is after he wrote um, The Cost of Discipleship that we read last year. Um, and, and when he's in prison in the last two years of his life, he writes these letters that, that begin to explore his, his faith, and they're often just very touching letters to his, his, his fiance and his parents and his, his siblings. He writes that Jesus had disappeared from view because the church was no longer at the center of the village in any meaningful way. Heavily burdened by difficult traditional ideas, the church was no longer making an impact it had just become this kind of idea that had been grabbed by those in power. He actually proposed that the church give away all its property to those in need. But he's concerned with the future of Christianity. So he, he argues, and, and, and this has been really compelling me, that, that we learn to live fully in this world by throwing oneself, these are his words, throwing oneself completely into the arms of God. For this is how one becomes a human being, a Christian. Fully trusting God. He writes that in the world, the church should be known by its service and its work of justice and peace. But within itself, it is sustained by the disciplines of worship, prayer, and sacraments, which remain hidden at the heart of the life of the church, not thrust upon the world in some triumphalist manner. 
How is that for a vision of the church? Known for its works of justice and peace, but within itself sustained by the disciplines of work, of worship and prayer and sacraments, hidden at the heart of the life of the church, not thrust upon the world in some triumphalist manner. That's transformation from the inside out, the body of Christ transforming the world. I think I'm, I'm drawn to that, that language probably for, t for two reasons this morning. One, one the, the gospel um, shapes us to kind of ask that question of who Jesus is and if he's in our midst, how does that transform our lives? And two, you know, anytime the church is or faith or tradition is grabbed a hold of by those in power or that attempt, it gives us pause and caution. But if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the one who has redeemed the whole world, who has trampled down hell and come out victorious, if we actually believe this to be true, and we can see the manifestation of Christ present in our lives when we gather together, it changes our perception of this world. It gives us, in Bonhoeffer's language, the freedom of throwing ourselves completely into the arms of God to become fully human, a Christian. We can strive for justice and peace. We can work to undo the systemic problems that are plagued by greed and sin. We can work to see the image of God in each other, all without having to live in fear and despair of what is, because we know what comes in the fullness of time. I mean, that's, that's the disconnect, right? That's the disconnect, the anxiety of the madness outside that inhibits us from fully living into God's trust and confidence and vision. I'm struck in the section, we're reading kind of a time period each week. In this last week, we're in the, um, in the section before, uh, before he is, um, while he's awaiting trial. And he writes his parents on October 13th, 1943. That's something that I find deeply beautiful. He's reflecting on a stanza of music. If outside it's all gone mad, in Christian ways or not, still is the world, the gorgeous world, entirely resilient. A few colorful fall flowers, a glance out the cell window, and half an hour's exercise in the prison yard in which a pair of beautiful chestnut and linden trees stand suffice to confirm this. Yet in the end, the world is summed up, at least for me and a few people one wants to see and with whom one wishes to be together. Can you imagine his faith to stand out of a window in prison and to have full confidence in God's redeeming work? Because God, if God is who God has promised to be, and we have the boldness to see God in our midst, our lives will be transformed. The lives of those we love and the whole world. And we don't have to let the madness outside darken the hope that God has placed in each of us. 
Because remember, company matters. And Jesus is in our midst. Amen.